0: Did you know that at week two of Sermon on the Mount, Bobby got all the good parts last week? He got the Beatitudes part. You know, it's this this picture of Jesus. And uh, one of the things I love is in a few weeks, uh, Bobby and I will be where Jesus preached this Sermon on the Mount. And assuming coronavirus, they, they let us in. But we will be there. And what's interesting is Jesus has these people that have come from everywhere, and he preaches the greatest sermon of all time. And in the first bit of that sermon, he gives us how we are to be with our attitude, and when we do that, we set ourselves up for a happy and holy life. Then there he squeezes in these phrases, and this small few verses here about how we're to be salt and how we're to be light. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, you always heard this passage preached about the meaning of salt, meaning it's a preservative, it flavors, you know, it melts, it does all kind of stuff. And we hear light, we know it penetrates the darkness. But today, I want to focus on the purpose of salt and light, how you are to shake a little salt and shine a little light as you go. Because Jesus entered our world and he got it done. Un- unlike Mike Bloomberg, he got it done come on, that's funny. I don't care who you're voting for. There are still ads running that says, Mike will get it done. And I'm thinking, no, he didn't. Didn't even come close. But a half a billion dollars later, he could have literally rebuilt Haiti with a half a billion do- no, Don't get me started. But Jesus tells us how we're to get it done in this world, in this life. When Jesus enters our world, He didn't box himself inside the four walls of of the synagogue, the church, or the temple. Jesus walked into the lives of regular people. Now, when you've heard me say, you can love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you don't have to be a weirdo to do it, this is what I'm talking about. That you can be salt, you can shake a little salt, and you can shine a little light wherever you are, wherever you go, and most importantly, wherever you work. Now, you could say, well, Chuck, you know, that is not uh, my job. But now watch this. I want you to take a look at Jesus as a model for you and I. He touched those folks that were terminally ill, strangely sick, culturally past marginalized and forgotten. He associated with prostitutes. He dined with heathens. He scandalized the religious community by penetrating the world. Jesus did the exact opposite of what the church in the first century thought he should do. I want you to take a look at this. Jesus did the exact opposite of what the church in the first century thought he should do. Now think about it. The church then isolated themselves from the world and decided that their way was the only way and that there was no possible way anybody else could join them because God was just for them. Then Jesus comes, the son of the living God, and because of his sinless life and his Death, burial, and resurrection makes an atonement, makes a payment for everyone's sins, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles, everybody. Jesus comes and blows the most religious people in the it blows their mind. It's like, but I thought He was coming just for us. And Jesus, no, I came for everybody who would believe. Jesus chose to reach and to rescue the world by intersecting and interacting with His culture. And by the way, if Sugar Hill Church is to do our job, we've got to do the same thing. What we have to be willing to do is love people, especially people who do not act, think, and believe like we do. Now, I recognize how easy it is to be a church that closes up the doors and closes up the walls and says, we're with people that act like us, look like us, think like us, believe like us. Let's just stay together. But when we do that, we, we create a ghetto, a Christian ghetto, and we need to escape the Christian ghetto and get into the real world and get it done. Amen. Listen to me, friend. What happens in our world is we get a dose of Jesus and we forget that with a dose of Jesus, it is there for us to give it away, not to come hoard it inside the, the walls of the church. I believe one of the modern church's greatest failures lies right here. We have disengaged too much. We have become a, a a withdrawn community. We have become aloof instead of alongside. We created this Christian ghetto filled with Christian music, Christian people, Christian teachers, Christian music, Christian churches, Christian schools, Christian radio, and Christian chicken. And we need to escape the Christian ghetto and get out in the real world and get it done. Last week, when Bobby was talking last Sunday night, we were with Path Project, and I had these, uh, I had these four or five little Hispanic kids from our trailer park over at Peachtree Village. And my job was to interview these kids, and they were all seventh graders. All of them have been involved in PATH Project. If you don't know what PATH Project is, it's, it's a project designed to help Hispanic children in Peachtree Village literally graduate and be first generation high school graduates in their family. Now watch this, folks. This is, this is what's important. I turned to interview them. We didn't practice it. We didn't, didn't rehearse it. I turned and I started asking them questions. What does it mean to you? And the little girl next to me, she was, she was a last-minute addition. I didn't know that. Somebody couldn't come, and she came instead of them. So, she had no prep whatsoever. And I asked her, I said, What's, if you were to describe what Path Project means to you, what has it meant to you? And she started about talking about community. And she started talking about friendship. And then she started talking about God. Church, let me tell you something. If the church doesn't love that kid, the church ought to close up for business. The church ought to love that kid. The church ought to reach that kid. The church ought to love that kid. The church ought to help educate that kid. And the church, by and large, got to learn that that kid is welcome here. She doesn't look like many of you. She doesn't bring a dime. She doesn't have a car. She has a messed up family life. And let me tell you something. If Jesus walked on this planet right now, he'd be in that trailer park before he'd be in this building. Because that's where he would go. And as a result, that's where we ought to go. Yes. The Sunday, the church gathers. But Monday through Saturday, the church scatters. And Jesus' strategy always involved believers, his church, going into the world to penetrate the marketplace wherever that is at. And sprinkle a little salt and shine a little light. You know, when you sprinkle a little salt, it's, it you add a little flavor to life. You add a little preservative to life you bring something a little different to life the scriptures that we're talking about here are not a suggestion at no point does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount I want y'all to consider this I want you to put it in front of a test group here's what I want this is beta form Jesus never does that he gives us a mission not a suggestion This was an intentional mission strategy that Jesus had in mind when in Matthew chapter 5, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, right after the Beatitudes, he says in verse 13, you, speaking to his people, you are the salt of the earth. someone that doesn't think more of themselves. someone that is there for you, someone who serves. When you think about that, you know what I think to myself? I want to be known that way. I went to, but you know what I thought to myself? I wonder if there's any preacher boys who would say that about me. I wonder if there's any school teachers say that about me. I wonder if there's any staff members who would say that about me. And you know what I remembered about that sermon? You know what I remembered about that funeral? Charles Perkle is a man wherever he went. He shook some salt and he shined some light. And because of that, That chapel was filled with people who were saying amen to a man's life who lived for Jesus. You know what I would say to you, friend? If you're not shaking salt and you're not shining light, you have missed the the message that Jesus has for you. You say, well, I want God's best, Chuck, but I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper with my faith. Okay, let me just give you this word. Shut up. I am begging you in Jesus' name if you want to go deeper, go shake salt and go shine light. But Chuck, I want to study. Okay, you don't have the right to study until you're willing to share. God called you to do that. You say, well, Chuck, I can't do that. Well, listen to the rest of the verse. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In some way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone, listen to this, will praise your heavenly Father. Start at the word so with me and say it out loud. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is the message. This is not the suggestion. This is the mission we've been given. Today in the marketplace of of noise and this hectic world, these words find their mark. I want to give you a few thoughts about how we do this. We are to radiate Jesus' love. We're to radiate it. We're to be so full of salt and light. We're to be so tasty. We're to be so preserving. We're to be so shining that our light is full of the presence of God to such a degree, we can't wait to let it out. There's no room to hold it in. It's, it's out there for the world to see and know. You know, there are people in this life when you see and you think they can't keep from letting God shine in their life. That's what he's called you to be. You say, well, Chuck, I'm, I'm an introvert. Listen to me. You don't have to be Billy Graham to shine light. Chuck, I, I don't know enough Bible to share with somebody. Okay, let me, I want to help you with this one. You ready? Just give me a minute, all right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. Because he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to give it life. You got everything you need you know what Billy Sunday used to say? Billy Sunday, when he would preach all over the country, he had a thing called the sawdust trail. He put this big tent up and he'd have this sawdust coming down the aisles where everybody walked. So it was muddy. The sawdust kind of soaked up the mud. If It was dusty. Then the sawdust kind of held down the dust. And and people would say, why do you put all that out there, Billy? Why do you take the time to put all that out there? And he said, because some people just need to know the direction to come to Jesus. Listen, go ahead and put some sawdust down. Go ahead and shake a little salt, shine a little light. A tiny tungsten filament charged with electrical energy radiates light and dispels the darkness. This is what we're to do. Followers of Jesus should by their very nature radiate something of the work of God in their lives to people around them. I mean, it ought to be so natural. And here's just a common everyday thought. We are to shine, baby, shine. None of you were called to put a bowl over the light of God. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were to look in the mirror right now and take a scale of one to five, one is, I can barely see the flame. Five is, I am radically on fire. Think of what your number is. If it's four or below, then I want you to thank God would you get my fire ablaze? If it is three or below, I want you to pray right now, God, would you light that fire again so that it might blaze brighter? If it is a two or a one, I want you to answer this question honestly. Are you sure that you know when you die, you go to heaven? Chuck, listen, you're normally a nice preacher. You don't normally preach like this, Chuck. Boy, I'm telling you, I, I get fired up about the fact that Jesus knew that there would be some believers who might choose to limit their candle power. Jesus knew there might be people that would refuse to shine their light. He knew that they would feel safer, securely hidden under a a cereal bowl. But he said, no, let your light shine. Do you know that he's called us to be influencers? Did you know there are people out there that make millions of dollars? on social media as influencers, the right makeup, the right shoes, uh, even the right journals. I mean, the right dresses, the right bridges. Most of those folks, they only do it for one reason. They do it because they get paid. You know what? That's not a bad reason. And by the way, I'm not blaming them. But the question I would ask you is this. Are you an influencer for the cause of Christ wherever you go? And if you're not, you're not shaking salt, and you're not shining light. You say, but Chuck, I don't know how. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. Because God didn't come to condemn the world, he came to save it. Yeah, but Chuck, I can't memorize that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Come on, folks. You can remember the song from a, a back B track on a 45 because you're as old as I am. We may not can remember what we had for breakfast, but by thunder, I can remember that Jesus came. That's your message. Well, Chuck, I'm not a theologian. Well, watch this. I'm not either, and I'm a pastor. Yeah. See? <laughs> Don't you find it interesting that we will, we will spend 20 minutes taking the right selfie and then editing the way our face looks, trim us up a little bit, make sure we have the right background, ensure the lighting is perfect, and then we post it, and every three minutes, look to see how many likes we got. But we won't post one blessed thing about the Savior of the world that came to give you heaven. And you know what I'm thinking to myself? What is wrong with this messed up world? I can post a picture of Kirby, my dog, and 150 people will say, that's my... Love the world. That's sweet. How long will it take for us to realize that we are His agent of light, His message of hope, peace, and love? Oh, Chuck, listen, I, I don't know how I'd do it. Well, here's how you do it we are to be practical. We're to be practical in this. Here's a few practical steps we are to partner with the invisible. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 16. He said in verse 8, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. Here's what it looks like. You leave your office and you walk around to go over to the restroom or to the water fountain or the coffee machine, and you walk by seven cubicles on your way. As you walk by Mary and John and Ralph and Susan and Peter, every time you walk by them silently, you're praying, God, would you step into their life? God, would you use me to be a light? Would God, would you let me sprinkle a little salt with them? You're saying it silently. You're not, you're not out there just messing up their work. You're not out there take, taking their time. You're just walking by praying for them. And you know what you're doing? you're sprinkling salt all the way. Every time you walk somebody, you're sprinkling salt. I learned something that I would encourage every man and woman to do here that's in the workforce. Even if, even if you're not, if you've got the hardest work on the planet and you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, you've got the hardest work in the world, you do the same thing. Whoever it is that you know is going to cross your path that day, pray for him every morning. Every morning I pray for who's going to cross my path that day. And you know what I've learned? God shows up when you expect him to. God shows up when you need him to, and watch this. God shows up when you ask him to. So if you'll ask him where you ought to sprinkle a little salt, he'll let you know. So start sprinkling a little salt. I want to ask you, engage with the always present, invisible God. Here's what it looks like. God, would you let me be a hope and a help to that person? God, I know you're with me. You are present inside of me by your Holy Spirit, and you are present beside me and in me, and would you direct not just me, but those around me so that I might sprinkle salt. Now watch this, on your way to the coffee machine, you sprinkle a little salt. Lord, would you bless them? Lord, would you let me help them? Lord, would you let me be a shining light? And on your way back, you just decide you're actually gonna be nice. How you doing? You look good, Sally. You get that hair done? Nope, well, you look like it. Wash it next time. Forget that dry shampoo, girl, you know? (laughs) Now watch this. What might happen if you prayed for them on the way and you were just an encouragement on the way back? You say, Chuck, but that's not sharing the gospel. Well, it might be for you. It might be your first step toward it. It might be the one time that they hear somebody who's a believer not tell them how bad they are, but tell them how wonderful they are. What if Christians went out in the world in the workplace and they were just going to be nice? I'm telling you, we grow this church by 30% of the folks in this room watching online would just get out in the workplace and not be a knucklehead. Let's just go be nice. But watch this. The work isn't holy until you make it holy. Listen, you're always going to walk the coffee maker. Why not pray? You're always going to walk back from the coffee maker. Why not encourage? Because the third time you might say, hey, I've got this little card, and by the way, it's in the seat back in, your, in front of the seat in front of you. You just pick one up, and you can go to somebody and say, hey, if you don't have anywhere to go to church on Sunday, here's a card. We're going to have services at 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 5 p.m., pick it. And somebody says, you can going to do four services on Sunday? Yep, and next year, if we need it, we'll do seven. But come on. Who's that one person that you're going to go salt, shake a little salt on, shine a little light on between now and Easter so that Easter night when you put your head on a pillow, you know what you're going to say? I can't believe it. Old Bill got saved. The work isn't holy till you make it holy, but if you are to be the salt and light of this world, you're to make your work holy. Being conscious of God's ever present presence will have a profound impact on your job and the folks around you. I want to read that again. Being conscious of God's presence will have a profound impact on your job and the folks around you. For that to happen, we're to have a positive attitude. Listen to what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father whatever it is, selling a car, building an app, insurance claim, buying groceries, bagging groceries, whatever it is you're doing. You say, Chuck, it's really hard for me to to do or say whatever I do as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Now, watch this. This is important. That's not your call because you're his representative in either a wonderful way or a bad way. And you make that choice multiple times over and over. Every time you walk the coffee machine, Every time you walk out of the car, at your work, whatever it may be, have an attitude that reflects the positive nature of God's grace on your life. Don't be Debbie Downer out there in the workplace. Be the person that somebody would say, I could go to that guy, that guy, that lady. Now, that lady, she's the salt of the world. That takes on a whole new meaning of salt of the world there, doesn't it? And we're to be on mission always. Paul said... For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. In that first century, you know, the, the Jewish folks, they wanted, they wanted the Messiah to come just for them. And I don't blame them. I'd want him to come just for me. Here's the great news. He would have come if it was just for you or it was just for me, but he didn't. He came for everybody. Now watch this. That means we're called to love everybody. We don't have a, there's no option in this. Well, Chuck, listen, do you know how much it's going to cost us to keep doing that path project? I pray we'll find enough money to do 10 of them. Well, Chuck, you know what? We go over to that school and those folks are never going to show up at this church. Does that mean we shouldn't love them? But Chuck, do you know every time we go out there and help those folks, there's a problem that comes in the room. I praise God we got so many problems, it's ridiculous. Bring it on. You rub shoulders every day with people who need the power and the grace of the gospel of Jesus. Listen, friend, share it. I'll never forget. Anissa, this story is just for you. I was, uh, I was a staff member at a church in the southern part of the county back in the late 80s and 90s. And uh, every... <coughs> Every Tuesday, a staff meeting, we'd get assigned a card of a person or a family that we were supposed to go knock on a door and meet face-to-face. I got a card that was in a trailer park about three and a half miles from church. And, and honestly, when I got that card, my first thought was, I don't want to do this. It's going to be one of those calls. It's going to be one of those calls where they're going to have something in need. I'm going to go to Kroger. I'm going to buy some stuff. I'm going to bring it back. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Everything on my mind was, Chuck, Chuck, just blow this one off. Well, my partner that night was a fellow by the name of Ronnie. He owed a tree service. Ronnie was the original redneck. I mean, when he spoke, he needed to have subtitles. I mean, when you, when you met Ronnie, it was, like, hey, how are you doing? on your mom anymore. <laughs> you, you, know, you know the guy, right? So Ronnie's my partner. And you can imagine my job's to talk and his job's to pray. Well, I'd seen Ronnie's life. I'm I'm telling you, God understood redneck perfectly. So we went up that trailer and had that old, you know, aluminum door and the screen, of course, was cut and flapping open. And she came to the door and her name was Shirley. Shirley was in her mid-40s. She was wearing one of those baby blue, kind of nightgown things with the silver snaps kind of like my mom and grandma had you come home from church take your dress off and put that on so you didn't get you know gravy on you and uh i walked in that house and i saw empty cans of country club malt liquor everywhere my first thought was it's no wonder they're dying i mean that's got to be the nastiest stuff that god ever made i mean if you drink that you're gonna die it's just as sure as world by the way if you're wondering yes your pastor hasn't always loved jesus smelled like stale cigarettes and it had that old nasty orange shag carpet y'all remember that where you have to use a rake you some of y'all old enough remember that why did we ever think that was good because there's stuff ground all in that stuff and I thought to myself literally if coronavirus had been there it would have been in that trailer it would have been the hub of coronavirus that was a nasty place and I walked in and me and Ronnie came in and I met her and then I met her middle school son. She said her husband an alcoholic. He was out. And she was afraid when he got home, if I would to be there, he'd get, he'd get violent. So we kind of got to the point and Shirley talked about it. She didn't have food in her pantry. And, and I thought, well, we can take care of that. And it was like, it, I can't really describe it any other way, but it was like God reached down and pulled me up by my earlobe. It was like, Chuck, do what you're supposed to do just stop, stop chitter-chatting and do what I brought you here to do. Man up. So I looked at Shirley and I said, Shirley, have you ever come a time in your life where you've trusted Jesus and let him take over your heart and your life? She said, no, that ain't for me. I said, well, you know, Shirley, uh, by the time Ronnie stepped in, he said, well, you want to hear a story? I was like, I think she's about to. And Ronnie said, I heard Pastor Chuck last week telling childrens a story. Pastor Chuck tell a story he told to All right. So I started telling about Acts chapter 3, Peter and John. They're walking by the gate beautiful. Me and and, uh, Bobby are going to be there in just a few weeks with some of y'all. We're going to walk by the gate beautiful. There was a beggar there who'd never walked before, and he was asking for money. And Peter looked at him and said, I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But what I do have, I want to give you in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazareth. And he reached down, and he helped that man up, and he could walk again. And that man went on to church with him. that man gave his life to Christ, and his life was never the same again. Shirley said, "That's what I need. I don't need that religion, but I need that." So we got on the floor in that nasty old orange carpet, and we were <clears throat> we were kneeling. <clears throat> we were kneeling by that nasty, ash-filled coffee table. And Shirley prayed with me, and here's what she said, "Jesus, come into my life and forgive me. be my Lord, be my Savior." I want to turn my life around, I want to live for you. I'm saying this and she's just repeating it back to me. And she said, I don't, I don't know how you did it, but thank you for dying for me and from raising from the dead for me. And thank you that you're giving me heaven tonight. That little seventh grade boy going right with her, word for word. I got done and I looked at Shirley and I said, now Shirley, we'll be back with some food in a bit. But right, but right now, did you mean what you just did? Did you really trust Jesus? Did you get that settled in your life? She said, yes, sir. I said, well, surely, on Sunday morning, we got a bus that's going to come by here. And that bus will pick you and your boy up. She said, I don't know, my husband, he, he might get angry about that. And I said, well, if you need us to come pick us up, give us my phone number, you let me know. I didn't hear from her, but sure enough, the bus picked her up and picked up her son and brought him on to church. And I told her, surely not the end of the 930 church service. I told her I'd be standing at the front of an aisle. It just happened to be this one in that church. And I said, the preacher is going to, at the end of the service, say, if you want to give your life to Jesus, or if you prayed with somebody this week and gave your life to Jesus, I want to ask you to step into that aisle on the first note, on the first song, and I want you to walk down that aisle and take either Brother Chuck or take, take Brother Ashley by the hand, and you tell them why you come. And I looked out, and I remembered Shirley had asked me right before I left her house. She said, what am I supposed to wear? And I said, oh, hon, wear whatever you got. She said, I ain't got anything. Well, now I grew, I have 7 daughters, Man, I know what I don't have. Born in the last three weeks. And I said, you'll be fine. Surely just wear whatever. But it didn't cross my mind until that time came and the pastor said if this week you've given your life to jesus i want you to come forward and make it public jesus didn't die in a closet he he died for you in public he wants you to come make that decision in public and the choir started singing they started singing you remember that old song just as i am yes. yeah And they started singing and i looked about three quarters away and here came shirley she stepped out an aisle she's wearing that same blue nightgown with those silver snaps she was wearing a pair of bass Men's loafer shoes sounded like flip-flops because the right-hand heel had come unglued and that's what Shirley had to wear And she walked down that aisle and I thought that's the most courageous human being I've ever seen in my life This is a church filled with BMWs and Mercedes in the parking lot And she walked by everybody wearing those hundred and fifty dollar dresses and the fifty dollar hairdos and the hundred dollars worth of Makeup and she couldn't have given a hoot She walked down and took me by the hand and like a numbskull. I said Shirley, why are you coming? She looked at me and said, because you told me to And i said shirley did you mean it the other night she said i did and about the time she did i looked up and here came what i became known as her husband she came her seventh grade son came behind her and right behind him came her husband i baptized all three of them i've preached shirley and her husband's funeral and her son now leads prayer ministry at that church Look at me, folks. Look. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Look here. Look here. This is not a story. This is not a story about anything I did because my attitude when I went was not good. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to do it. God will use you if you knock on a few old screen doors. God will use you to help homeless people if you'll let him. God will use you to help those kids at Path Project if you let him. God will let you sprinkle salt where he wants you to if you let him. God will let you shine his light if you let him. And all you got to do is take one step and I'll promise you he'll take the next 40 for you. But will you, I'm begging you, will you stop being afraid? Because the invisible God is powerfully visible in your every step. When you shake the salt, you shine the light. Let's pray. God, today, would you shine the light and shake a little salt on some folks in this room and watching online, that we might say like Shirley did in that trailer, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord, be my savior. Thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead for me to pay for my sin. I want to live for you and stop living for me. Friend, if that's the desire of your heart and you'd say, me too, Chuck, that counts for me. Listen, Jesus heard your cry and your next step, just like Shirley, your husband, and that little boy, is to give your life and follow Jesus in believers' baptism. And All you got to do is let us know. For some of you in this room, what you're truly saying is, Chuck, I've been a believer for 15 years, for 20 years, for 25 years. It's been decades since I've let my light shine for Jesus. I haven't haven't taken that salt shaker with me to work, and I haven't shook that salt shaker. and, And Lord, I haven't even thought about that one person that I want to come to know Jesus before Easter. But right now, God's reminding you, and he's stepping all over your toes, and you're trying your best to pull your feet back. And what I'm saying to you is trust him, let him, give in to him. He will guide you as to where you shake salt and where you shine light if you let him. Father, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Would you stand with me as we get ready to leave? Look in that seat back in front of you and grab one of those Easter cards. What I want you to do is grab one of those cards and hold it up. Just grab one of those cards and hold it up, would you? Grab a card and hold it up. Listen. This card represents a person that you can intersect your salt and light with this week. And you're you're, you're probably not going to go say, you know for sure if you were to die, you go to heaven and unpack the gospel?" I get that. You're probably not going to even unpack John three sixteen for him. All I'm asking you to do is this one thing. Would you take that little card right there, Ron? Can I borrow for a few minutes? Come on, come right up here. I want you to take that card and I want you to say, "Ron, hey, buddy." my church does the coolest easter stuff we meet outside of seven inside at 9 11 and 5. there's always room for you at my church will you join me on easter you take that card and ron will go right back and he'll tell sue and sue will tell betty and we'll just keep on going and you know what will happen we will celebrate on easter sunday hundreds of people that you shook a little bit of salt on shine a little bit of light on that came to know jesus Just like shirley and you know what will happen all of the all of heaven will celebrate with this church Why not be us? Why not turn it on and let him do him? I love y'all. I'm sorry. I got all fired up today But listen to me when you get out of here today Let him go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight when you walk out of here, walk out with him within you. He's always good. And you are always loved. When life is just beating you up, hop on his back. Wrap your hands around his big old shoulders. Let him carry you through the middle of your junk. Only set you down victoriously and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead wrap his loving arms around you so you can hear him say my child say with me i love you hey would you do me a favor if you'll go by and get this brand new coffee mug we'll give you free power routines even number five is ready if you're up to date i love y'all go in peace